Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Hello and welcome to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and Will Pugh and Tom Edwards of West Ham World. And gents, we're talking Issa Diop. If I offered you 40 million quid and Anthony Martial for your centre-half, would you take it? Well, if it's Anthony Martial, maybe. <laughs> he, he's the only one. I think that... Pogba? If, if it's Anthony Martial... No, I wouldn't take it if it was Pogba. <laughs> now, if it's Anthony Martial, then I think that equates to a... That's a 65, 70 billion pound deal there. Because you're not going to... No one in the world is going to expect to pay any less for than that for Anthony Martial than 25, 30 million. Oh, you're paying more than that, I think. But you're I, paying 45, 50. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So if, if it's Martial, then you're having it, but... If not, then if it's just Phil Jones or Chris Smalling, then no thanks. I think if you look at Maguire being priced at 80 million, you've got to think Issa Diop is is well in that range, particularly his age. He's 22. He's, he's got a lot of football left in him. I think, <laughs> Martial, you don't turn your nose up at that. I would love <laughs> if if it came with that and that package. I think you'd be silly to turn it down. But they're not they're not going to do that deal, are they? So we've just got to look at look at the finances of it. And I think we keep him for another few years because it's only going to go up his price. Yeah, and there is, in terms of his value, the argument that you only signed him last summer, you spent the best part of £30 million on him. We'd be looking at minimum 50 this summer, surely. What, to let him go? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, minimum, yeah. I mean, West Ham came out, didn't they? When the story came out in the first place, West Ham came out straight away and said they're not even going to entertain deals for anything less than 65 they're not even going to think about it or take them seriously which I, th- I think makes perfect sense i know he's 22 million last year big team mentality i, I mean every single week we bang on that <laughs> don't we and it is my new catchphrase along with mr pellegrini but no way in a thousand years would i expect us to let him go for any less than 60 mil and i think what's important to remember as well is like you say there about the big team mentality it shows where the club's going by hanging on to one of our best players. Mm, some people suggesting rather cruelly that when West Ham said, yeah, all right, if you're talking player plus cash, let's talk and let's talk about Martial. United actually thought you were joking. But doesn't it say good things about West Ham's mentality that the higher order are willing to turn around and go, yeah, fine, you can have one of our stars, but Manchester United, we're having one of yours. I think that's exactly it. I think more than anything that coming back with that was more of a statement of where we feel like the club is going in terms of we're not going to get bullied by these big clubs anymore. We're not here for just young players to come and make a name for themselves and go on to bigger and better things. At the end of the day, we want to build something here under Manuel Pellegrini and we're looking for these players to be part of our future and not anybody else's. And unless unless they pay through the nose for it, we're not we're not going to get rid of our star players and he's been very key like we haven't won a game when he's not been inside we've with him we score more goals we can see less goals and at the end of the day 
we are uh, he he should be one for the future and we need to keep him in the ranks no spot on and more importantly it's not like Man United have showered Martial with love over the past couple of seasons is it and like you said there Tom like West Ham are on the way up and it shows signs of our intent but Manchester United are in free fall. Manchester United are going about if they're if they free think free fall's a bit strong, isn't no, it? No, but if they think they can go about business like they used to, where you know they can just go and even the merest suggestion that Manchester United are interested in you would turn any player's head. Well, the fact of the matter is they're probably at best third, but probably more like fourth in the rankings in the Premier League of attractive prospects or attractive destinations for players to go because they just no one and you can definitely tell there's a big change in mindset players and old trafford isn't quite the magnetic pull that it once was for some of the world's biggest stars is it no it's very very true you mentioned at the beginning there that you wouldn't have chris smalling or phil jones why not well, why would you? We've got Issa Diop already in signed up to a contract who plays in Claret Blue already. Why? That's such a step backwards. If Man United came out and stumped up a load of cash and said, look, all right, yeah, fine, we'll take you a bit more seriously, as we should anyway, and here you go, here's £65, £70 million cash on the table, what do you think? That tests the club's resolve a bit more, but saying... Here you go, here's some money and a player that it's public knowledge we don't really want or rate. You know, that's, it's insulting at best. I think if you look at Smalling and Jones as well, they'll probably come in with the mentality that they are bigger and better than a team like West Ham. And I, I think the type of personality, Manuel Pellegrini, like he said when he bought in four now, is he's trying to buy personalities and get a squad together of people who believe in the West Ham project and don't see us as the club that Smalling and Jones probably do, which is a stepping stone. They'll see it as a step backwards in their career and they're not going to have the same mentality that Diop does as a young player who's looking to take himself forward and the club with him. And I think that's why you've got to keep hold of players like that unless you're getting money, which is like the 75 million range, which we should be getting for a player like that. If I offered you a straight swap for Diop and Martial, would you take that? No. I, I think Tom's touched on something quite quite worthwhile or noteworthy there in that I think Martial would end up being one of those typical West Ham signings, if you like. And I think that change in mentality and change in mindset of the club relates to the fact that we're, we want players on their way up now. We almost don't mind if we're used as a stepping stone. If we get two or three decent years out of out of good, young, hungry players, a bit like, I think that's the way Tottenham have built their, what Tottenham have got going on at the moment. They've built that on that mentality, haven't they? All right, it was hard to take for them at the time when Gareth Bale and Luka Modric left. But with the money they got in for those two players, they've then, their whole squad went up another level, didn't they? They were just able to elevate their club up one more tier. And I think West Ham have finally realised, or been certainly the board have been forced to realise by Pellegrini and Husselos, that you you can't just get by getting bargain basement players at the end of their career who just want a big payday anymore. So looking to avoid bargain basement players, if you did let Diop go, who would you be looking at to replace him? From United or generally? Generally. I think, firstly, I would... I know Oxford, there's a big problem around surrounding his mentality and the way he's behaved around the club, and it's clear that Pellegrini doesn't like him, but I, he's still very young, and I would I would look to buy. I would look to buy a ready-made centre-back as well, but why not keep him in and around the club as well? Maybe see if there's you could get him to be the player that everyone thought he would be, because £4 million to West Brom when 16, he did gave that performance. He is much more than that in the future if he lives up to his potential. So I would look to try and work something out there in that situation, but also I'll get... It's hard because there's not many good centre-backs out there who are quick, who are strong, who are good on the ball the way Diop is. So that's why I think it's it's one of those for West Ham where you could sell him and get a lot of money in, but who do you get who's going to fill that void? I do think it's interesting with Diop as well because me and Tom were chatting earlier on and saying how... As fantastic as he is, and, and as he has been this season, considering it's his first year, he is far better alongside Balbuena. Four million pounds Balbuena, 26-year-old Balbuena, who, in my opinion, is an, was an equally good signing when you consider how much we signed him for, as Diop has been. 
but there's been plenty of games this season when he's lined up next to Ogbonna Diop that we've we've shipped goals and I think that's why I think if Man United come with a, a serious offer what um, qualifies as serious? What well, we were talking about earlier, and we reckon somewhere between, we think sixty-five million pound is the line where you go, sit up and go, oh, hang on a minute, that is quite a lot of money, <laughs> and yeah. So I, I think between, I mean, bearing in mind Virgil Van Dyke was seventy-five mil last summer, he's no Virgil Van Dyke, but obviously there's another year gone past. The market's been inflated that little bit more. So seventy five million isn't what it once was, but I would say sixty five to seventy million is a sit up and all right, we better actually think about this. That's that sort of money. The Premier League market for defenders in particular at the moment is insane. Actually insane. Because let's not forget that that seventy five mil for Van Dyke is still, as things stand, the world record fee ever paid for a defender and we're hearing United set to spend 90 mil on Harry Maguire I like Harry Maguire big old head good goal (laughs) against Sweden the most expensive defender of all time Mm. what I think as much as it is that there's a shortage of high quality defenders it is also what you get with United nowadays is because they haven't got the Champions League football because they're not got the draw where Sir Alex was there teams ask for a lot of money from them because they know they are pretty desperate at the minute to get back into that fold so teams like us can be a bit sneaky and say look we'll take one of your biggest asset players and we'll take 60 million pounds and that not be a complete mick take because because it is they are trying so hard to get back in the fold and defenders are so hard to come by that we're right to put that on a guy who's so young and got so much about him which he's raw talent and, he, and we can mould him into a top, top-class defender, or somebody can. Hopefully it is us. I think, because if he has another good season, Diop, then he is worth, no doubt about it, he's worth that £70, £75 million pounds sort of money. And that is, that's, you know, that's destiny-changing money for the club, mm. isn't it? That's not the sort of money that we've ever received before for any one of our players. And I do honestly think, I know it's a little bit... I don't know, it's a little bit difficult sometimes or people find it hard to think in purely financial terms when you're talking about a sport that is also about you know passion and mm. and the love for the game. But talking in realistic terms, we're all supporters of businesses these days, not football teams. And West Ham are on the brink of having a similar thing to Tottenham, I think, where with the Bale and Modric money they got, they transformed the club with that. And if we've got that bit, we've certainly got that in Declan Rice. I think it's sort of clear to everyone now that if he carries on on the path that he's on, we're going to get a serious amount of money for him at some stage. And it looks like we've got two or three other players Mm. in the squad who we might be able to reap some financial reward from. And then perhaps if that money's put in the owner's right hands or the hands of the right owners... And there's no telling what uh, where the club could go from here. Mm, could be exciting times to be a West Ham fan. It's exciting times to be an England fan. A quick update for you from the Women's World Cup. It is Japan nil, England nil. 14 minutes in in Group D. A reminder that all the Lionesses have to do is not lose to Japan, and they will top the group. And it's one nil. It's hey. just gone in. We were watching the ball rolling towards the line. <laughs> it's Ellen White who scored it, and it was looking like a Japanese defender might just get back. The ball was trickling agonisingly towards that goal. Could she get it off the line? No, she could not, and it is 1-0 to the Lionesses. It's coming home. This is Love Sport. It's the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. Wonderful from the Lionesses. It's 1-0. They're so good at football. Another man who's good at football is, of course, Pablo Fornals. We were talking about him on the show last week as a potential signing. We're able to come onto the show this week and say he's an actual signing. 24 million quid, a Spanish international signs for the Hammers. I mean, it's... The price as well, let alone that twenty-four million for a guy who made his international debut in that Spain midfield with Busquets, with all the talent at twenty years old, made his debut there. He's still only twenty-three. He scored today a winner for the under twenty-ones for Spain. I think it's just a sign of the a bit t- of a screamer as well, wasn't it? Absolute scream. Yeah, picks out forty yards out, pick, like drives, takes it out from the outside of the box and just bangs it. I think he's the type of like we said. Uh, the, all the things, all the chat coming out from Pellegrini is that they know him, they know that he's a good personality, they know that he's 
looking to improve and looking to become a real top, top player and getting that Spain squad for the Euros. So I think it's another one of those where it's very exciting times for us. He's a good ball player and he fits the mould of what Pellegrini's trying to do with our team. Where do you think he's going to operate? I think, depending on what happens with Lanzini, because obviously there's a lot of rumours surrounding him, he either operates where Lanzini does for us in more of a number eight role when we try and use him as a technician in that place, or... We either play. We've got Rice as a solidarity, and he he. What we so need. Very, so you're saying a midfield three where Rice anchors, and you say to Lanzini and Fornaus, go out and play. Noble probably Noble next Noble. to him. Well, obviously, we can't drop yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. As we know on the show, we never <laughs> ever ever consider <laughs> England international mark. No, oh, no way. <laughs> <laughs> now I think uh, I agree with Tom there. Uh, I, it does worry me. The whole thing kind of worries me with the Lanzini situation. It's there's not there's nothing too hard, fast, or concrete coming out of the club at the moment. But often his silence is just as worrying as uh, mm. as conjecture. But the uh, there's rumours or whispers that he wants to go back to Argentina. I think if you're if you're him, he's got to consider, and I'm sure he will, the fact that for the whole of last season, not that it was his fault. But he got injured on international duty and picked up his 70 grand a week from West Ham week in, week out, still while he was sitting on the bench. That's the nature of football. Um, his stories come out that he, has, the club have offered him a new deal, a double your money deal, which I think takes him to around the 140 grand mark. And he's rebuffed that and said that he feels he should be one of the top earners at the club, which is strange because... He probably should be, shouldn't he? He should. Mm. I totally agree. I mean, 140 grand doesn't put him a million miles off. I think you've got Arnautovic with his new deal that he nobly wangled for himself in (laughs) January. Well, let's give his brother Danielle some credit in wangling that as well. Are we... uh, Yeah, so and that puts him in the 170-ish region, I think, up Mm. with Philippe Anderson. And thirty grand a week for Lanzini obviously seems to be a bit of a sticking point. So that is a that's a situation that will yet to unfold. But I certainly think that it will be the Pellegrini's got his style implemented already, isn't he? With the the sort of four two three one mm. system that he likes to play, it'll be Gomez or Arnautovic up front, and then you will still have Anderson. It'll be one of Lanzini or Fornells mm. in the middle, I'd imagine. And I think we'll end up pulling in another central midfielder to to play. You know swapsies with Mark Noble week in week out I think Mm, a quick update for you from the Lionesses it's still England 1 Japan 0 but the Japanese goalkeeper Yamashita is looking a little bit wobbly there was a strike from distance just a moment ago fairly high but also fairly central she made a meal of it almost conceded and if I were one of those English midfielders I might just be looking to get my shooting boots on And we're hearing that Scotland have scored as well, which is a big, big goal for them. Remember, the highest-ranked third-place teams in this tournament do go through as well. So Scotland's still just about with something to play for. From a West Ham perspective, we mentioned, of course, one of your key men there just a moment ago. But are there any other stars who you're concerned might be leaving the club this summer? I mean... Because of the way Rice has performed, there's always, a, and how young he is, and obviously now being in the England fold, all eyes are on him because that is one of those positions where every club is looking for a talented holding midfielder who's good in the ball, good in the tackle, and does everything, and we have one. So I think there's always a worry over that, but I'm I'm pretty confident that he will be here come the start of the season. He came out as well. There was a, some news this afternoon, I think it was, that Declan Rice, West Ham put out... Uh, post on their Instagram, I believe it was earlier today or late last night, saying uh, paying homage to Alvin Martin and within that made a comment that Owen oh, Declan Rice has, has you know, he's he's got the platform to to build himself up over the next few years or the few next few years to come and Declan Rice replied to the Instagram post with a, a love heart emoji and see you soon hammers. So obviously I see you and I raise you Fabian Delph who famously said, I love Aston Villa, I never want to leave, and five days later was posing in a Manchester City shirt. Well, I different sorts of players and different sorts of men, I would okay. suggest. No, fair enough. I think, yeah, I think Declan, to be fair to him, I think he goes about things the right way, doesn't he? Yeah. And he even does. when he's been asked in press conferences, be it for England or, or for West Ham, he just comes across mm. honestly, that, and I think that's important these days. No one, I mm. don't think, at West Ham is under any illusion that if he carries on the trajectory he's on at the moment, that he will be playing in a different coloured shirt pretty soon. 
I think that no slant to Fabian Delph, but I think Declan Rice is an intelligent guy, and I think he knows as well as anyone that he will he will be playing Champions League football and he will have a career right at the top. But I think he values what West Ham give him right now, which is week in week out playing in that first team getting exposed to top-level football. And it's not like we're doing bad for his career. He's in the England team. He's starting in the Nations League semi-final. I mean, we can do a lot for him as well, and we can get into Europe this season. Why not? And he's a part of that, a big, big part of that. So I think that he knows that as well. It all comes back to that big team mentality. And West Ham are going to need it, because why on earth can't you ever get an easy opening day? This is Love Sport. You're listening to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and Will Pugh and Tom Edwards of West Ham World. And Maxi Gomez is a Uruguayan name that simply won't go away. Well, he's been floating around since January was the was when we were making some serious strides then. Obviously, we, we sort of had to panic, panic, consider a few strikers, didn't we, after Mark Arnautovic? unfortunately decided that 500 grand a week was actually quite an appealing prospect and since then it hasn't like you say it hasn't really gone away the latest obviously is that we we had a bid we put a bid in for i think 29 million pounds at first and the rumor at the time was that Celta Vigo had accepted that bid and the same bid from Valencia but it seems since then that the player, I think, now has reportedly agreed terms with both West Ham and Valencia on a similar sort of similar sort of pay for both teams. But he came out to us and made it clear, which I think is why the, the rumours of him going to Tottenham went away, he made it clear that he won't play second fiddle to anyone. If wherever he goes, he wants to be number one striker. So. And he doesn't back himself to oust Harry Kane? No, apparently not. No, and I think politically that the the Tottenham, if you go to Tottenham as a striker, you know that there's a seat on the bench with your name on it, whatever happens, don't you? Um, so, yeah, he's reportedly agreed terms with us and Valencia. and But the Celta Vigo chairman, or the president, sorry, Carlos Marino, came out today and politely reminded everyone of a West Ham and Valencia persuasion that actually those bids were nice, but there's a £44.5 million release clause in his contract. And if you could all remember that, because that's what I'll be asking for. So do you believe that? Do you think it's that or bust? I think that is a ploy to try and get us in a bidding war with Valencia. They know the Premier League. They know that we, that typically English clubs do pay more than they should for these players. And I think that they are using us and the Premier League as a tool to, to get as much money as they can for him. And I mean... But having heard that Valencia apparently are in financial fair play issues and they need to, uh, I think it's 40 million they need to get back before they comply with the regulations. So it seems odd to think that they would spend anywhere near 40 million on a player. So I think realistically it is us in a race on our own, but they are probably holding out for an Arsenal or for someone to come in and compete with us because I don't think Valencia are going to stump up that money considering the what they have on their hands. Even if it were a bidding war, is that release clause, in a sense, a blessing in disguise in that it would be a bidding war with a clearly defined ceiling? Yeah, I I don't think West Ham would go to 44.5 million for him. And I'm not sure, I, I say, unless, the, only, the only scenario I could see him going for that much money would be, as Tom mentioned there, like an Arsenal where it gets towards that the tail end of the transfer window if Arsenal haven't done too much business and all of a sudden people are clamouring for them to make a sign-in it would be very very Arsenal to just go out and panic splurge some money on a player that perhaps someone else was interested in so we thought we'd pick him up traditionally Arsenal's panic splurges as it were aren't over about 20 mil Mm. I think the the thing is with Arsenal right now they are a bit like they're in a they're in a position where they need to get back amongst the elite and a signing like that because of the figure I know figures don't equal a good player but something like that would get their fans going but right now I think that it is a deal that no club really wants to make I don't think any club want, will pay that much money and I think it'll be a deal which goes deep into the window until that they sell to Vigo realise they're not going to keep the player on their hands and they will have to settle at a price which is less than that well it's hang on he's under contract until 2022 why wouldn't they be able to keep him uh, the contracts these days, Johnny, are worth about as much as this running order that I've got in front of me. Excuse me. That took us ages. Mm. No, I think with... I think it makes sense, to be fair. Uh, Celta Vigo last year, 
they they weren't a million miles off of relegation. I think, no. they f- I think they fin- mm. I'm not sure exactly where it was. I think it was 17th or just one place outside. Yeah, and also they came back from the brink. That's uh, it. That's magic, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, Iago Aspas mm. said his absolute best. That's it. But then Maxi Gomez was a huge part of that, wasn't he? They're aware that you know without their their prize asset, who it looks like you know they're going to have to offload. They, I think the club realised that. A player of that quality is not going to hang around for another La Liga relegation battle this season, and understandably, they they want to reclaim as much as many spondulies as they can for their for technical their spar assets. <laughs> yeah, that be it. Yeah, I think they're called euros now. Well, <laughs> <laughs> probably cash as well. <laughs> no, I, that, that, it, it makes sense, and I think I don't think West Ham are going to go at forty-four and a half million pounds. I would imagine that's the sort of thing where. They said it at that, and then if we go back, we'll end up, hopefully it's us, but someone will end up paying 35, 36 million pounds for him. I'd imagine he'll go to the Premier League because if Valencia is the only people in Spain interested, like Tom said, they they haven't got that sort of resources at the moment, which could see them land Javier Hernandez instead. Well, that would be quite a swap, wouldn't it? If Gomez does come to West Ham, what happens? Does Arnautovic go? Does Arnautovic stay? And if the Austrian does hang around, is Maxi Gomez first choice? I think, well, the one thing you know about Arnautovic is during the course of a season, he will miss minimum 15 games through injury with his knee. He seems to play up every other week. So he's going to get a lot of football. And probably looking at his age as well at 30, Arnautovic, you're thinking it's probably going to be a bit of both. And there is games that we will play both of them, particularly at home, I believe that. But I think Gomez would come in and I think he'd probably shock people with how good he is. And why not? Why couldn't he make the team? Why couldn't he get in that in that fold? Because Arnautovic only got 10 last season. Everyone was hoping the 20, but he didn't quite play up to it. No, Tom's spot on. I think what could be interesting as well is although the, the Arnautovic exit saga has sort of gone away a little bit there's also the i would not be surprised or disappointed to be honest if we ended up starting the season with maxi gomez and mitrovic as our two striking options and perhaps arnautovic has gone somewhere else hang on a minute how much money are we expecting west ham to spend <laughs> no, but that, serious question no but if that's what i'm saying i i think if we if we bought gomez in i wouldn't be shocked if to see soon arnautovic after that go. arnautovic goes and then any money mm. we get from him because we're certainly going to save a lot on wages mitrovic won't demand or mm. he won't be able to pick up that the same amount of money that Arnautovic is on at the moment, and he's younger. And so, you know, I think I, if Arnautovic was to go after Gomez comes in and we had some sort of assurances on bringing Mitrovic in as well, I wouldn't be too disappointed with that. We're hearing, by the way, that Mitrovic could be off to Real Betis. They're certainly interested. That's something we'll be discussing mm. on the Fulham Fan Show from 9 until 10 this evening. So if you're looking for the inside line on Mitrovic's future, do hang around for that one. Out of 10, gents, how likely do you think you are to sign Maxi Gomez? I think at the moment, with the resources and with the people who've gone out the door, I think I'd probably put it 50-50 as a 5. I'd give it a 5 because I think... If anyone does leave and we do get extra funds, say if an Obiang goes for 14 million and we start and Oxford goes and Hoogirl and Sam Byram, I think that the club will actually go out and buy a play like that because he is another, like we said, perfect age for what Pellegrini is doing at 22. I'm going to say 7.2. I, just, <laughs> I, think I love the, the precision. <laughs> yeah, I think um, Huslos and Pellegrini have obviously highlighted him for some time. They obviously know. They, they're aware of their own plans. They know where they're going. They know where they want to be. And having you know that experience in in the Spanish leagues and in La Liga, I I think they they know they want they they're going out and they're going after these players. We're making some serious moves early, and it's nice to see us just putting a bid. And no, I think that will. I'm I'm pretty confident that will come through. Okay, positive stuff. Just want a quick word on former West Ham midfielder Jack Collison, who is now soon to be former West Ham coach. He's leaving his role in West Ham's academy to join MLS side Atlanta United in a coaching capacity. Are you sad to see him go? I mean, I've seen. I, I've Jack's always been a good presence around the club, according to everyone, and I think. It's one of those where you're happy for him to get the opportunity because he's done a lot for us. He gave it, he gave us all for the club. He played on basically one knee in the playoff final and took us up. And he is part of the furniture, I guess, of modern West Ham. And he's, but I think it's one of those where you do wish him well because he and he, like he said when he left, he said hopefully one day he becomes West Ham manager. So I think he will, he will come back. Could you see, see that him. happening? I mean, if he goes out and he really he gets a grip of the craft, why not? Because he's got an affinity to the club. He knows what West Ham's about from Upton Park, from where. 
the soul of West Ham's from and why not? If he goes on to be a top-class coach, there is nothing stopping him from becoming a West Ham manager. He's 30 years old as well. That's what everyone forgets. Mm. In managerial yeah. terms, he's 12. That's it. Yeah. Well, in playing terms, he's he's no, you know, he's still just past his prime, isn't he? I, you know, it was really sad to mm. to see the way his career or his body let him down and his career unfortunately go down the pan as it did. But yeah, I mean, he's got so much time ahead of him, isn't he? He's he's got some decent experience, coaching experience at a Premier League level under his belt already. He's been around that sort of high-level sporting environment for most of his adult life, anyway. He, he said, didn't he, that he, he wants to he wants to show his family. He's got a young yeah. family. He wants to show his family a new experience overseas as well. Which it, the cynic in me possibly suspects that that new experience will involve quite a large pay packet in relative terms. Yeah, but Johnny, mm. you got to think. I mean, uh, no, I'm not how, begrudging how, him. It. No, and especially how long he was out of the game for. No, when, it's completely fair he, enough. He wasn't on. He wasn't on absolute packets at West Ham. Nah, even never. when he when he quit, he was decent and he was a he was a good first teamer. But he wasn't. He wasn't on life changing money like the rest of them. And I think that. that well. Sort of, I, it's all relative, right? Yeah. He'll have been earning pretty good money. Yeah, no, he would. But I know. But I'm, I'm not saying you know I mean? shouldn't go to the MLS and get more money. Mm. I'm not saying that for a second. But it's always when people talk about a new experience, uh, they also do mean a new salary. But yeah, mm. but at West Ham, he would have been he would have been nowhere near yeah. that. He'd have been on the sort of money you're on, Johnny. I'd imagine. <laughs> I don't think so. If I tell you what, if he is, the whole West Ham squad are going to be leaving this summer, and you will need them for next year because that opening fixture is a tough one. This is Love Sport. It's the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. A quick update for you from the Lionesses. It is still Japan nil, England 1. As things stand, Phil Neville's side will, of course, top Group D. But let's turn our attentions back to West Ham and the opening day of next season. The fixtures have been released. You're at home. That's where the good news ends. Manchester City are coming to town. Well... As we're told very regularly that the Premier League computer and the fixtures, they're all very random and there's no human involvement whatsoever. However, this the, with the Manchester City at home, that completes West Ham, sees West Ham complete the, the top six. So the current top six, we've now played each one of those on the first game of the season for the last six years. But negativity aside, whilst obviously there's uh, there's plenty of human involvement in the in the composition or the compilation of the fixtures each year. I think, given our games after that Man City at home, I think it's. I think I'm pretty happy with it. And mm. someone put it quite well to me recently that, well, it's just another pre-season game before the real season starts. It's true. I think also... That... Hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> it's the first game of the Premier League season. Yes, they're very good. But mm. are you saying this is a free hit? I mean, when you look at their results they've had at us, I'm not sure whose home it is when they come to us. They have which about <laughs> four goals. Four goals a game at our place. But the, the one thing, the anomaly is, first game of the season, everyone's up for it. It's a bit of a different kettle of fish, the first game of the season. So you never know what each team's going to produce. Well, you know City are going to play well and they're going to come at you and they're going to have the ball. But like he said, like Will said, I think that the games after that are what we should really be targeting. The Brighton, then Watford, then Norwich, then Villa. Out of those four games, why can't we go and win at least three or maybe all four of them? Because that that's where we need to pick up our points, where we didn't this season. No, I couldn't agree more. I think by if you look at the... even when then we got... You, we got Manchester United after that Villa game that Tom mentioned there. We got Man United at home, Bournemouth away, Crystal Palace at home. Really, by mid-October, you know, no one knows what Man United team's going to turn up this season. We smashed them 3-1 at Upton Park. Uh, sorry, Upton Park, if only. We, we smashed them 3-1 at the London Stadium last year. Anyway, that was that was a September game as well. And, you know, there's no reason why... I know it's always easy to look at the fixtures on paper and say where how many points you want to pick up from those. But for the first time in a long time, especially considering we lost our first four games last year, we could really be looking at ourselves in coming up we're going into the huge game Sheffield United at home on the 26th of October in a really solid position in the league it would be quite a good start and of course this year terrible start to the Premier League which eventually hindered the ambitions you could have if you start well if you do get results against Brighton against Villa will you be thinking that top 10, top 8, top 7 is a possibility? I think when you look at 
even last season, I don't think there's much between us and Wolves last year. That we, how many points did we finish? Five or something like that in the end. And we, had, like you said, we had that terrible start. But I think that we are. Def- I think on paper, personally, obviously biased, but I think we are the seventh best team on paper. And with a few more additions and everything, that is the minimum we should be getting is Europe. Between 7th and 8th, I think that is where we got to be aiming this season. The minimum is Europe for West Ham? I think that for aiming-wise, yes. I think top, top half is the minimum of what our expectations should be. But I think that we we need to really get a season of Europe again. We had it two years. I know one was fair play, but we'll take it. But we had it two <laughs> two years in a, on the trot, and then Pae came, and we had that, obviously, and lost to Astragugu again. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's what we need. I think we need a bit of Europe back in back at the Olympic Stadium. No, I, yeah, that that's got to be it. I think last season there was the the race for seventh, and in reality that was Pellegrini's first season at the club, and I think he he did great things in a very short space of time. That and this year he'll have had a nut. He's he'll have had a whole summer. He's had a bit of time to sign a few players that he wants, and just generally. I know it's such a cliche, but stamp his mark on the club a little bit more. And I've said it before and I'll say it again and I can't see myself stop saying it for quite some time. I think Pellegrini, especially with Husserlos, but is the best thing about the football club at the moment. He seems like a very nice guy as well. I've been in one of his press conferences. I was in the press conference after the Huddersfield game and he was very, very measured. You know, it would have been very easy to praise the players Mm. for a glorious comeback. It would have been very easy to clear the players out for defending so badly against Huddersfield. And actually, everything was in proportion. Everything was very, very balanced. Cool head on his shoulders. And yeah, a wonderful, wonderful coach. But his talents aside... If you're going to get into the European places, the run-in is obviously crucial. Let's have a look at your final seven fixtures. They're actually not too brutal. We're looking at Chelsea at home. Not ideal, but who knows what kind of form they'll be in by then. Away to Newcastle, winnable. At home to Burnley, winnable. Away to Norwich City, winnable. At home to Watford, winnable. Away to United, who knows? They could have winnable. <laughs> yeah, they could have completely imploded by then. And finishing the final day at home against Aston Villa, there are points there in that running. Mm. Definitely, and I think what's nice, Tom touching it there again, is it? I think there's points everywhere this season for us. Mm. I generally don't think. But we were saying that this time last year. So what's different? I just think there was good signs last year, and we've. We've firmed those up. We've firmed up the foundations that were there. Last year it was more signs, but I think this year we're gonna. it's going to bear more fruit. And also part of the problem at the start of last season was the fact that we brought in so many players, the fact that the gelling of the squad was clearly quite tough at the start. And now I don't think we're at that many players. I think we might get two, three more in. But other than that, it'll be the same core of the squad which finished last season and finished very strongly at that. And I think there is nothing stopping us from... Showing a bit of form when we did have the pie, I hate going back to him, but sadly that type of team where we're in everyone's faces and we can give everyone a right good go no matter where we play. And I think that's what West Ham fans really want to see is us give every team a go and play the attacking football Pellegrini loves. Well, that has got to be the message for West Ham fans for now and in the past. And you've had some glorious players over the year who's had a scrap, been willing to fight and play for those fans. Coming up, you two are on the spot because you've got to have a go at naming some. This is Love Sport. It's time for the West Ham United Name That Player quiz. The rule is simple. We've got a sequence of clues per player. They start obscure, they start difficult, they get gradually easier. You should be able to get them by the end. We'll see how you get on, how fast you can get them. It's Will against his good colleague as well. Your first clue This man was born on the 10th of May, 1969, in Santiago, Chile. Pellegrini. Incorrect. Right, yeah, go on, next one. Next one. He's best known for a 13-year spell at Chilean club... Javier Margas? (sighs) Whoa, is correct. Get in there. I was going to say 
Colo Colo, you got that so quickly that I didn't get to say my third clue, which is since retiring from football, he starred in Chilean reality show Expedition Robinson, which that is, is good. That actually, a survi- <laughs> it's a survival-based show where contestants are put on a remote island and have to live on their own. That's there the clue I was waiting for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you would have known. Yeah, the real question. All right, producer Charlie, who has excelled himself with an exceptional quiz, we got a job for you. Right, it's not just enough to come up with Expedition Robinson. Find out how this bloke did. Is he still that out is, there? That is, is, he, is he very good at making a campfire? I want to find out. Your other clues would have been 63 international caps between 1990 and 2000. Famous for dyeing his hair in different colours and shapes, most notably with the colours of the Chilean flag. And he played 24 times for the Hammers, scoring once against Coventry City. Can I just add as well, I think there was a few people, James Jones, the absent James Jones included. James who, Deadwood Jones. Uh, James Deadwood Jones, yeah, who was absolutely gagging for me to be knocked off my pedestal this week. That was quick. It'll it, come. That was actually that was, It was quite, a clue and a half, wasn't it? Let's it was be honest. Quite, quite concerningly quick. You could get it <laughs> with just that. Harry Redknapp has got a great story about Margas. He's actually got a couple. The first involves giving him a car and a house when he signs and him ending up going the wrong way, getting lost, getting a puncture and ending up abandoned on a country road. Luckily, he'd been on the Expedition Robinson, so he knew how to (laughs) turn the car into a wonderful fire. We're told that actually he's not very good. Third person to quit after 16 days on that show so he lasted 16 days on a desert island not bad he was better at West Ham only just he was better at West Ham but was he happy there because Redknapp says that the end of his West Ham career was Redknapp went to pick him up from a hotel uh, and the hotel staff said he was in the room he must be in the room because he'd come in to get his key Redknapp said well we can't find him. He's not reported for training. He asked them to ring him. No answer. They were knocking on the door, went back to reception, came back with a key, went into the room. He'd left half his gear there. The window was open. And Redknapp says, and I quote, he'd obviously taken what he needed, his passport, jumped out the window and legged it up towards the motorway. And we never saw him again. <laughs> he went back to Chile. And that was the end of his career at West Ham. But don't worry. He now makes a cracking campfire (laughs) are you ready for player two go on clue number one born 28th february 1966 in montijo portugal right you not got it off that already well not quite you know i'm gonna have a guess i'm gonna have a guess i'm gonna have a guess paolo futre Oh, come on. There's it. no fun. He's come only, off there's it. no fun. He's, he's, I'm sorry, but this is impressive techers, isn't it? Let's be honest. He's studied but, birthdays, but, has he? But, or something? But, yeah, there's no point in the quiz if you can do it from the date of birth. I'm going to make you sit through all the other clues okay, as punishment. Our producer's just got in my ear and shouted, I spent ages on this. You've got to make it harder. Get the ones who only played for them twice. This <laughs> player played for a host of European clubs, including. Porto, Sporting CP, Benfica, Marseille and Atletico Madrid. Clue 3, played 41 times for Portugal in a 12-year span, scoring six goals. Clue 4, worked as director of football at Atletico from 2000 to 2003. This is the good one, Clue 5. Refused to play for West Ham until he was given the number 10 shirt. That's it. Now, this this story dog. is again told by Harry Redknapp, who basically said that Futre was there shouting, Futre number 10, Futre number 10, saying he wouldn't play unless he could wear the number 10. Redknapp had to go, well, you see, Moncur wears 10. We've already sold shirts with 10 on, so we can't just change it because kids have got the shirt for Christmas and we would then be ruining their shirt. He said, all right, well... How much money do you reckon you've made from your number 10 shirt? Redknapp, thinking he can put the issue to bed, goes, well, I don't know, 100 grand. He goes, fine, I'll pay it. <laughs> I want the number 10. He then goes direct to Monca because Future owns one of the most luxury villas in all of Portugal and says, listen, Johnny, two free weeks in a Portuguese castle. I just want the number 10. And according to Redknapp, we're going to get John Monker back on the show very, very soon. We're going to ask him about this because Redknapp says that Monker couldn't have cared less what number he was wearing, took the holiday, and Future got the number 10 after all. Absolutely. Can we just can we just remind everyone that although I mean, producer Charlie out there is getting a little bit of stick for the quiz, but it was in fact... It's a great quiz. I'm led to believe that it was in fact James Jones it who was. put these players up for as the 
answers. And he's trying to catch you out. I know, Mr. James Jones. He's playing into your hands. Exactly. Well, he was giving it quite large last week, Tom, after I set the quiz for him. And he took him quite a long time to get his answers, to be fair. He was giving it very, very large. You're going to get this one as well from the date of birth and stuff, because I think I'd have got it. From well, that. Born, no. born 30th of August, 1978, in Dobrich, Bulgaria. Right, no. No? Go okay. I'm all right for now. Clue two. Career started in Bulgaria for Litex Lovech, where he made 70 appearances. No, no. Go on. No. Okay, clue three. Cap 41 times for Bulgaria, scoring seven between 1998 and 2007. Oh, um. Oh, come on. No, go on. Um, this is the one I thought was easy. This was the one where I saw this name and I was like, oh, I want to get that. Played for four English clubs, including West Ham, uh, the others, Portsmouth, Wigan, Totterwolf. Charlton. Is oh, correct. Ha, ha, nice one. You've beaten him to it. Uh, the other clues were going to be played 14 times for West Ham during the 2001-2 season. Scored his only goal in a cup game against Spurs, which West Ham lost 3-2 clue 6 scored 26 goals for Pompey in 2003 which saw them promoted to the Premier League that's your quiz for this week it's 2-1 yeah, I, didn't, I have to say very impressive from you both well I mean well, he's, know, he's done me there one of us more than the other yeah. but I don't like to <laughs> birthday whiskey <laughs> yeah exactly yeah that was that was actually a bit obscene <laughs> to be able to guess and get that right Svetoslav Todorov was a uh, abhorrent at West Ham oh. wasn't he I, I do believe I think he was number 18 and because the Fornells has just taken the mm. number 18 shirt is it cursed at West Ham well no because I think Frank had it big, yeah Frank, Frank Lamp- Lampard Frank Lampard so he is cursed in a way I guess yeah exactly <laughs> whether that was before or after Todorov I, I can't really be sure but yeah the uh, there was a, a West Ham quiz been. on the website for famous number 18s and I don't think Todorov falls into the famous category for <laughs> <West laughs> the right reasons anyway yeah <laughs> Well, we've got time to talk about potential transfer dealings. You mentioned the phrase whiz kid a moment ago. Uh, one player who falls into that particular category is young Alexis Claude Maurice of Lorient. What's the latest there? Well, I, as far as I understand, I think news coming out today that he's made his intentions clear. I think Arsenal were interested, so were we, uh, but he's made his interest or his intent clear today that he wants to go to Borussia Mönchengladbach. I think he feels that like they'll suit his game a little bit more. Um, I think Tom, you were saying earlier on, he's sort of a little tricky yeah, inside he's forward. He's an inside forward. I think he, he's. Uh, I saw someone say that he's not really a typical number nine or a typical number ten. He's got bits of both. But at the same time, seeing his record, and we were talking earlier that Liga do, it's not. It's one of those that I'm not too hung up on. If he comes, brilliant. We've got another young player who's got a bit of potential there. As long as we don't pay too much for him. But at the same time, I think. Probably he will start in Germany. I think it does. All the all the noises seem like he is going well in Gladbach, but he's one of those where if he comes, that's great. It's another young player through the door who's who's looking to prove himself. I think the last the last attacker that we got from the French second division was Modibo Maiga. So look how that worked out. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think. uh, Like agree with what Tom said. Really, with when you're buying players from the French league, obviously we picked up Sacco from there. He went on for a short period of time and done great things we mm. picked up high we've had some hits and some misses from from that sort of level so it's one you never know although the fact Arsenal were interested suggests that he's obviously got something about him well he scored goals he scored I mm. think 17 in league last season which considering he's not a conventional nine is impressive but how much can you tell from someone that young playing in the second division Yaya Sonogo who ended up at Arsenal, banged them in for Oxair and Ligue And I can confirm exclusively from first-hand experience that he's absolutely terrible at football. <laughs> <laughs> Although he did once score, our Arsenal supporting producer isn't happy with me. Sunoko did once score four against Benfica in a prestigious Emirates Cup game. <laughs> never um, forgotten. <laughs> which never forgotten, which I think secures him legend status. That's not quite the Betway Cup, is it, but... Is that your equivalent? Yeah, we'll get yeah. hands on that again this year, hopefully. Yeah. Is that? A, do you do the very, very Tim Pot thing that every club seems to go in for, yeah. only inviting clubs who you know you're better than? Well, no, no. The, the funny thing is, we only won the Betway Cup for the first time last season. It's How been long running been for about seven years? Oh, too, long. <laughs> too long. Yeah, I think, to be fair to us, though, we did play... You, we played Juventus in the Betway Cup what in the first game. What are you doing inviting Juventus? Mm. It was the first game at the London Stadium, Johnny. We needed a big-time opponent. 
got played off the park. We barely touched it on the first game. To uh, be yeah, fair. I, I disagree with this. Everyone says, oh, the new game at the new stadium needs to be a big time opponent. No, mm, 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 mm. if I was in charge of a team and it was their first game at a new stadium, I would want them to play the Bishop Stortford under nine <laughs> and win 23 0 for a confidence boost. I think we've got Athletic Bill Bell this we year. We do this year. That's yeah. winnable. You know what Donald Trump does, by the way, when he buys a golf course? Go on. He goes and plays around on that course just on his own and then calls it the first club championship. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. So he would claim to have like upwards of 10 club championships because it's just me, myself and I. Mm. Well, I could go around the course, never played golf in my life. I could go 400 over par and I could be like, club champion i'd oh. do that at west ham have you got the 400 million pounds necessary to buy a golf club though we're on to your I'll... wages again john <laughs> i think oh, away from them I'll tell you what mate i'll have a look around the back of the sofa and <laughs> I'll, I'll see what i can do we're coming to the end of what has been a fantastic show it's absolutely flown by i want to return to where we started with Issa diop any chance at all of martial i think no for a few i think united aren't probably silly enough to to give him in any deals and make weight because he, he's a he's a pricey asset there's a lot they could get a lot of him on their own and also i just i just can't see i just can't see them feeling like that is a feasible package there is people out there who will be cheaper and won't, we won't play as hard ball i guess other teams won't play as hard ball over things like i think Maguire would come a bit easier than diop because of the age really well if you're paying 90 mil then it'll come easily I suppose. yeah I think not just that. Maguire's been at Leicester for a lot longer, hasn't he? He's mm. a bit more established, A, in the Premier League and and certainly at Leicester. He probably feels a lot more like he's done all he can at Leicester because I don't really know what he's going to get out of another year there. Leicester probably, with where they finished last season, perhaps plateaued. And I think from if you're Maguire, I, I'd be more inclined to go to Man United than I would be if I was Diop. Diop came out last season, didn't he? Claiming he wants to be the new Rio Ferdinand at West Ham. Got to go to Leeds first. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I think there's room for him to grow and grow with the team, which is important. So Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And unless United are going to give you Pogba, Lukaku and Rashford in exchange, Issa Diop is not for sale. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Sports Social Podcast Network.